0: square circle podcast welcome back to a brand new episode i am your host marie shadows and we're going to continue from where we left off this is wrestle kingdom 16 night two wrestling review for the square circle podcast i would usually drop some house notes but i just want to get right into my review and then at the end i really hope you stay at the end and i'll give you those house notes so here we go Wrestle Kingdom 16 starts with a pre-show. We have a six-man tag, which we have Gato, Dato, and Fale teaming up to take on Nagata, Makabe, and Honma. The only highlight of this match is that we get a huge headbutt dive on Gato. And Honma goes over to cover Gato and gets the one, two, three. No one, no one had this on their bingo card, which is a good thing. I made those bingo cards for you guys to get. If you head over to www.ko-fi.com forward slash Marie underscore shadow forward slash shop, you guys can get those bingo cards for free. Or if you want to throw me your spare change, you could do that too. You could pay whatever you want. And I think that everyone should have their own bingo card for 2022. Just in case surprises like this popped up during the year and you could put it on a blank piece of paper. I'm just trying to do my best to insert a lot of fun into the wrestling community because the wrestling community seems to be focusing more on negativity, emotional drama, 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 drama and everything else. So make sure to pick up those blank wrestling bingo cards. To put something as monumental as this, as Honma picks up the victory for his team of Nagata and Makabe over Gato, Jato, and Fale, which is essentially Bullet Club. The good guys have a victory over Bullet Club, over Gato to be specific. And to have that on your bingo card is kind of interesting. The next pre-show match, we get another six-man tag Tenzan teaming up with Master Wado and Kojima, taking on El Desperado, Takamichi and Kanemaru. Again, the only highlight of this match is that Master Wado taps out El Desperado, who is the current IWGP Junior Heavyweight Champion. Now, night one, we saw him take on Hiromu in a very amazing battle. A very hard part victory to keep that championship title. But he's definitely banged up and Masawato took advantage of it by doing a submission that he learned from Tenzan and Makabe as he continues to train with them. And when I say him, I mean Mastowato. Master Waddle put Desprey in a submission in order for Desperado to tap out. Again, no one, no one had that on their bingo card. We are so used to seeing Master Waddle being the one that gets the loss in matches like this or just in certain singles matches, but he has been progressing ever since they gave him the Master Waddle gimmick which basically just means that he's master water. That's why he wears all blue and everything. He has come a long way. He has improved and getting a victory over a champion in new Japan pro wrestling means a lot. So eventually we are going to get master Wado versus El Desperado sometime down the line. And again, pick up those free wrestling bingo cards of 2022 and fill in the blanks. You never know what's going to be happening in 2022 with wrestling Wrestling changes at a dime's notice, so basically you can get it for free over at the coffee shop, or you can throw me your spare change and get it like that too. Anything helps. Everything is encouraged. Our final third match for the pre-show. I think this was still on the pre-show because it's definitely not one of the ones advertised. So we have another six-man trios match. We have Bushi teaming up with Shingo and Hiromu versus Taishi, Zack Sabre Jr. and Doki. I do not have much notes for this. I do know that it was an okay match back and forth. We got a little bit of Hiromu versus Zack Sabre Jr. And I never noticed that like I needed that in my life. I need them to have a series of matches. Haromu is so good all around. He's such a good wrestler. He just ends up getting the short end of the stick sometimes. But he's very capable in doing what the company asks of him. And he does it to the T and even goes beyond that. He's such a delight to watch in a ring and such a treat that the technical skills of Zack David Jr. mixed in with Hiromu's own crazy style definitely makes me want to kind of push for a series to happen between these guys. It was really nice to see the transitions in the ring going from one submission to another submission to another submission. And I pointed this out last time on one of my other podcast episodes that Zack Zabel Jr. was trained by a very highly skilled wrestler and always told him as for advice Make sure to keep switching up your moves, your holds, because the moment that you allow the wrestler to understand that one rest hole that you have them in, they could get out of that. They could counter it. Make sure you keep them on their toes as much as you're on your own toes to keep switching and having them think of how am I going to get out of this? And eventually you'll kind of overpower them per se, because... The more that you switch up your attack and your style and your submission holds the more that they'll get discouraged and eventually tap out because eventually it's gonna hurt you're gonna have your opponent exhaust themselves way faster than you exhausting yourself by switching to different moves to get the upper hand if that makes sense then we get doki taking out alive and the young lions and then finally, to close out the six man tag, we have Shingo doing the last of the dragon on Doki. Shingo getting the one, two, three, picking up the victory for himself, Bushi, and Hiromu. And now we could go right into the main card of Night 2, Wrestle Kingdom 16. We start off with a triple threat tag team match. Robbie and Tiger Mask. Put up their championship titles, which is the IWGP World Tag Team Championships, against El Phantasmo and Taiji representing Bullet Club, and then Taguchi and Rocky representing, and then Taguchi and Rocky representing themselves as the Mega Coaches. This was a fun match, a nice tag team match. We start off with some hip attacks by the Mega Coaches. And they start taking control of the match early on. Robbie comes in taking out the mega coaches. And then we have a Lucha style rules that comes into play. El Phantasmo comes in and kicks Robbie right in the midsection. And for the longest, everyone has been trying to see what kind of boot El Phantasmo is wearing. Like, is there a metal plate in his boot? Because his finisher is a super kick, but he calls it sudden death, and that is a knockout blow. For the longest, people have been questioning whether or not El Fantasmo's super kick is legit. According to El Fantasmo, he says that while growing up in Canada, he kicked a bunch of maple trees. And thus, that allowed his heel to harden. And that is why he has sudden death. That is why it is a knockout blow because of all the super kicks he did to the maple trees over in Canada. Now, whether or not you guys want to believe it is up to you. Me, I am half and half. That could happen, but then again, it could be a metal plate within his boot that's helping him get the advantage and getting these knockout blows. So in this match, maybe we'll see what happens a little bit later on. While Robbie Eagles is recovering from that midsection kick from El Phantasmo, El Phantasmo then does back rakes to Robbie Eagle. It's a running thing between El Fantasma and Taiji to do back rakes to their opponents. Then someone does a Huracurana to El from the ropes. And Robbie Eagle goes and does a suicide dive through the ropes, getting everybody. Then we have body splashes from the mega coaches because you can't count them out just yet. Back into the ring, we get a tiger suplex to El and, and then followed up by a tiger driver. There's a cover, but Tidy comes to the rescue. Taguchi comes in and does black hole vacation to Robbie, goes for a cover, but this is broken up by El Phantasma. We get double her karanas, and then while El Phantasmo is down, everyone goes and attacks El Phantasma. They hold him, and Robbie Eagles is the one that takes off his boot, and as he is inspecting his boot, he finds a metal plate which basically explains why and how he always gets sudden death to be such a devastating blow to everyone on the roster. And the referee is shocked. The fans are shocked, even though the fans really can't say much because of COVID protocols. But we finally found the answer to the million-dollar question of is El Fantasma boot loaded? That's what Kevin Kelly says all the time. And we actually found the answer that metal plate has been in El Phantasmo's boot. So as per the directive of the referee, the referee eliminates El Phantasmo and Taiji from this tag team match. And so now this becomes a regular standard tag team match for those tag team championships so once El Fantasma and Taiji get eliminated, we have the Rob Miller special that Robbie does, and Robbie goes and taps out Rocky Romero of the Mega Coaches. That submission win allows Robbie Eagles and Tiger Mask to remain as IWGP World Tag Team Champions for this match. Next on the card, we have stardom. This is an amazing progression of Japanese wrestling. In Japan, as you know, it's not as casual as it is here in the United States when it comes to men and women wrestling. In Japan, it is by tradition that men wrestle with the men and women wrestle with the women and they have their own promotions, which is totally fine no one needs to go and try to make demands for having new japan pro wrestling include women in their stuff it's okay that it is separated because the women in stardom get to shine really really shine the wrestlers in new japan pro wrestling they will overshine the women but this is progress that we have a stardom match on the main card at a Wrestle Kingdom event. The first time that they did this was the previous year they were on the pre-show, which was fine because at least that was a step in the right direction. This time around, it's an even greater step and even a greater achievement to celebrate because they're on the main card. I do not think that New Japan Pro Wrestling should integrate women wrestlers on their roster. Just on the fact of these women are amazing by themselves and I would never want anything to be compromised over in Japan. If any sexual harassment happens, sexual abuse happens, misunderstandings like it's okay if they are separated here in the United States, we want to make sure that everyone is treated on an equal playing field. And women can do just as much as the men can do, which is totally fine. We have two different thought patterns on what it means to include women's wrestling in the men's field. But as for Japan, just leave it the way it is. Don't fix it if it's not broken. We are already accustomed to having women around in the wrestling business no matter what. And they are great helpers and athletes, and they deserve their moment to shine as well. If anyone out there are Star Trek fans like I am, just believe in the prime directive. That's all I'm saying. Believe in the prime directive between two different countries with two different ideologies of what it means to have pro wrestling. Okay, so this starter match is a tag team match. And I'm not really up to date with stardom if you guys want more information about stardom you can visit a good friend of mine follow her at hey karen sensei she writes for post wrestling she covers a lot of stardom news and matches so her knowledge is way better than me and the last couple of times i was on thomas island i gave her credit where i said i basically learned from her but yes, go learn from her. She knows a lot more. I'm going to try my best to just do the best that I can. I am very happy that Stardom got to be on the main card. That's one thing. So in this match, we have Saya and Tam taking on Mayu and Starlight Kid. Apologies if I can't pronounce like all of their names right. I will get it right one day. And it was a beautiful match from start to finish. It was so smooth. It looked way better than some of the stuff that you see in the States. That's because these women train 24-7 together. They are in the same dojo together. They are eating together at the table. They are being friends. And that's not to say that over here in the States, it's not really done. It is. It's just not done as frequently as japanese women over in stardom or the new japan roster where you know it feels like a family and you can count on one another to make an amazing match like i knew nothing of these women going in but watching the spectacle of what joshi wrestling is is really fun is really lighthearted, and these women don't miss a beat everything is smooth in transition Everything looks right. Everything feels right. You're kind of rooting for like your favorite person and their character work. They're so colorful, which I like sometimes here in the States. If you're working on a character, you might just look like a cutout board of something that's already been done or you don't have enough colors or you come out to the ring and it's very bland. And I'm like, I'm not going to remember you. But these four ladies in this stardom match, I remember them. They're super colorful. And sometimes I think that if you want to succeed in the wrestling business, you do have to look outside your bubble in order to become that amazing. Not saying to just be an entertainer and forget about the wrestling aspect. Add some color to your wrestling. Add some color to your workouts. Add some color to your... Promos, and I'm not talking about blading. That's not what I mean when I say color. Add some like bright pastels or something to be remembered by because personality helps in addition to the athletic ability that you have to get yourself over. And all these women got themselves over for me to be a fan and looking forward to one day covering stardom on here and to one day see more stardom matches for really special events that New Japan Pro Wrestling puts on. So I am super happy that they got a spotlight on the main card and not on the pre-show like the previous year. So there is progress. The new president of New Japan Pro Wrestling is all in the business of dreams, all in the business of creating dream matches and listening to the fans. He's very good at listening to the fans. He really is. His Twitter game is on point too, which I like. I like the engagement that he does. So I trust him enough to guide New Japan in the right direction, make all these deals, have all these dream matches, and invite Stardom back to New Japan Pro Wrestling. Next, we have the King of Pro Wrestling 2022 match. So in night one, we had a bunch of guys in there. I think it was up to like 20 guys and we got down to the last four. And this is the official match ground, the new Kena Pro Wrestling Trophy holder. For those of you that are new to the Square Circle podcast, let me introduce to you the backstory of the Kena Pro Wrestling Trophy. So back at New Japan Pro Wrestling's summer struggle of 2020, so this is roughly around July, Okada decided to talk with management to create something new for the wrestlers to do other than going after championship titles. So he created a trophy called the King of Pro Wrestling. He didn't want championship titles. He just wanted a trophy and it would be contested under rules that the fans could vote for. And sometimes these rules can get very wacky, very weird. And so far, the main holder has been Yano since 2020 until he lost it to Chase Owens of Bullet Club in 2021 only for Yano to get it back September 2021 and then it got switched again at this year's King of Pro Wrestling for Wrestle Kingdom so It's basically a trophy to prove that you are the king of pro wrestling. It's a very wacky, fun little gimmick that lets wrestlers do what they want and show off their creativity and the stories that they can come about with it. And so the last four people in this match is Seema, Murder Grandpa, which is Minoru Suzuki, Chase Owens, and Yano. It was a very interesting fatal four way a lot going on in this match. Chase Owens finally got to be in the ring with Murder Grandpa after talking shit and then taking it back, you know, like almost everyone does. I don't think Murder Grandpa is that mean. He is sort of intimidating, but I don't think he's that mean. So we get up to Suzuki fighting against Yano and he does the gotch style power driver to Yano picks up the victory and we have a new Tina Pro Wrestling trophy holder for 2022 which is Minoru Suzuki and this changes everything because you as a wrestler and you as a fan you really need to question who is going to step up to Suzuki so far nobody has stepped up yet but someone will step up and I wouldn't mind if Aaron Hanaria of the United Empire steps up to Suzuki and challenges him for that King of Pro Wrestling Trophy of 2022 that would be amazing they will have an amazing match both of them are very sound technical wrestlers and both of them are a joy to watch in the ring Their story will definitely unfold and we'll get some fun times and it'll be a nice start for New Japan Pro Wrestling management to realize how much of a great asset Aaron Hanari is. Aaron Hanari is doing wonderful things with the United Empire. But yeah, spoiler alert, in a sense, the United Empire has been failing for Wrestle Kingdom, and they need something to get back on track because you can't build up an amazing force like the United Empire and have them lose and lose momentum along the way. So, a great way to really start getting the momentum back is definitely having Aaron Hinari go after Suzuki for the King of Pro Wrestling tournament. Have the Great Okan win his matches because he is super talented. Have Jeff Cobb win the New Japan Pro Wrestling Cup of 2022 and have Osprey become sneaky and try to eliminate those that want to go after Okada for that championship title. And he just jumps in line because if you take out previous opponents, then there's no one left and you can stake your claim. But then again, I think that I'll come up with something better for Osprey. But right now, that's how simple it is to try to get back momentum for the United Empire. So again, Minoru Suzuki is our new Kina Pro Wrestling Trophy holder for 2022. Who is going to step up? Our next match is for the Never Open Weight Six Man Tag Team Championships. Which, by the way, it is Bullet Club taking on Chaos for the millionth time. And you guys already know how I feel about Evil holding two championship belts. I really don't like it. Unless he's willing to do, like, a double storyline. And I know that he probably is willing to do so. You know, I just don't see the point of having... Evo himself hold the never open weight championship title. And then the six men never open weight tag team championships. I don't get it. I love the fact that bullet club has championship gold. I really do. But you know, they could have left the never open weight championship belt on Jay White long enough. You know, they could have gave the gorillas of destiny, Tamatanga, and Tonga lower and Jay White. The six-man championship tag team title is also like, you know, just something to spread around the championship gold. But in this match, I just have to talk about it. So our champions are Evil, Yudro, and Sho. I'm happy that Show has a championship title. I am happy that Yudro has a championship title. These guys take on Godo, Yoshihashi, and Yo. They swapped Ishii for Yo because Yo and Sho are in a feud right now. They were former tag team partners of Rapungi 3K. Sho decided to betray Yo after Yo was sitting on the sidelines for months recovering from a knee injury. He comes back, and I think it was just time to split them up. And, you know, they are having a light versus dark type of feud, which is way better than Cody Rhodes versus Mattakai Black. So, that's that. So, I'm happy that we get to have this interaction with the title belts. There is an immediate fight that happens at the beginning of this match. There's the running bulldog to evil by Godot. Godot means business in this match. Yo comes in hot with his dropkick. And cross body to show bullet club tactics happen when Dick Togo takes out the corner turnbuckle pad and they just throw Godo in it, and Godo hits his back against the exposed steel. Now we have a fight between Show and Yo, and Yo ends up saving Godo from Show's attack. Yoshihashi is doing an amazing job fighting both usual and evil that doesn't happen often sometimes bullet club has the numbers so bad that they do beat down their opponents and they've been in this war with chaos for years it's like they've been enemies sworn enemies like their ancestors were enemies for a million years this is how bullet club and chaos has always been playing out in new japan pro wrestling it wouldn't be a bullet club match without some type of interference and some type of distraction. So a distraction happens. Evil comes in with a low blow and show comes in using the wrench that he's been using forever as his weapon because somebody in bullet club nicknamed him murder machine. And I still find that funny to me. He is a walking meme until that gets changed or something. But yes, Show uses a wrench to his advantage, and he uses it over Yo, goes for the cover, gets a victory over Yo, and Evil, Yudro, and Sho retain those never open way six man tag team championship titles. Then we get Noah showing up and being in a new Japan Pro Wrestling Ring. This is to further promote the fact that during this week of wrestle kingdom night three is the new Japan pro wrestling versus Noah. I don't consider it like part of wrestle kingdom. I consider it like a special night of like night three of wrestling under the wrestle kingdom umbrella, but like three part of it, not really. So they're in there and they're staking their dominance and going to definitely destroy new Japan pro wrestling. But again, I'm not going to do a review of New Japan Pro Wrestling versus Noah. I do encourage you to go check it out on New Japan World. Just sign up to njpwworld.com. And when you subscribe, it's way better than the Peacock Network, and you get a lot more shows to watch. They now have a new series on there called Lions' War. And if you ever wanted to know how the dojo system is, you have a firsthand account a behind-the-scenes of the Fale Dojo because they follow the rules of New Japan Pro Wrestling. Of course, with some wiggle room here and there. And I will be writing reviews of each episode as they come out. So make sure to sign up at njpwworld.com. And no, I do not get any commissions for telling you to sign up. Please do so on your own will to just support professional wrestling. There's way more better professional wrestling out there and you don't have to just be loyal to one company. You could just love pro wrestling all around. So that would be amazing if you sign up. And if you sign up, it doesn't hurt to tag me on Twitter at Marie underscore shadows, along with any of the New Japan handles. So that way they know that I love supporting them. So yeah. Noah's in the ring. They talk their shit lij comes out they talk their shit but bingo is all like hey i have no time for this so they go to the back noah got their point across to the japanese audience and anyone watching at home and then they also leave the ring as well and this allows us to take a mini break in wrestle kingdom where they go and disinfect the ring and by the way The states should have been doing that too, disinfecting the ring to make sure that wrestlers do not get any type of sickness or anything like that. Next, we have a singles match. And the next match after that is also a singles match. And this is where the United Empire sort of goes down in their momentum. I'm going to talk about both matches So the first one is the great Ocon versus Sonata. Originally I would have liked Aaron Hanare versus Sonata because both of them have one-to-one. So they need a tiebreaker to see who's the best, but we got the great Ocon and Sonata because it turned out the same way as Hanare versus Sonata where everyone involved has one victory over another. Sonata is a fantastic wrestler but when it comes to his promos and story work it just does not grab me at all like I can appreciate him wrestling and watching him wrestle because he had a great match against Tamatanga during the d one which I broke down for you guys and explained why it was a really fantastic match and also explain why you guys don't like Tomatonga. But that is neither here or there. Sonata is really good at what he does. I just need to see more personality and more leadership from Sonata. Sonata has a shyness that he needs to get over. And that's just being in front of people talking. Not so much wrestling. When he's wrestling, he's super calm. You know that he's in his element. But other than that to push a story forward he usually lets someone else do it so when him and Naito were teaming up to try to take the tag team gold the person that was leading the story was Naito not so much Sonata and Sonata needs to break away from being behind someone else's shadow and start being his own man and just being comfortable leading 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 the charge and leading his own story that's all i ask for him is to lead his own story this one here we have the great okan the great okan is a great talker and he's a great wrestler i have definitely loved to watch his matches in the beginning i was like i don't know what to make of the great okan But after watching him and listening to him and seeing how he approaches things, the psychology of why he wears the trunks wrestling gear versus why he wears long pants. And I'm like, that is so unique. No wrestler really does that when they're transitioning from being a singles wrestler one night and then maybe the next night he's being a tag team wrestler so that lets me know what kind of strategy he's probably going to go into these type of matches for singles matches he's going in as long pants and when he's going in as a tag team he has the short black trunks with the black knee pads and the black boots and that's what he does he switches between the matches and that makes him unique so in this match, we start off with chain wrestling. There's a dropkick by Sonata. Sonata has a very good dropkick. And then both men go to the outside. When they come back in, a waistlock takedown. A cover and then a kickout. The Great Okan starts with his Mongolian tops to Sonata. There's a couple blocks there. There's a plancha to the outside from Sonata to the Great Okan. The Great O surprises a lot of people in this match because as Sonata is outside and the Great O'Khan is inside the ring. We sort of move a little bit in time in this match while I'm explaining this one cool thing that he does. So nobody saw the Great O'Khan ever do any type of high-flying moves. He's always been the type of wrestler to keep it in the middle of the ring, be technical, and make sure that the wrestler knows that they are a peasant in the eyes of the great okan and the united empire and so he is teased by sonata to try doing a high flying move hinari's on the outside being the best buddy of the united empire and letting the great okan know don't do it it'll be a mistake because the great okan does not take those high risk maneuvers and so the crowd is getting into it they're stomping they're clapping along And they encourage the Great O'Conn to do something. The Great O'Conn does a cross body onto Sonata. It connects and it definitely caught everybody by surprise. So again, like I was saying in the beginning of this podcast episode, you can get those wrestling bingo cards over at my shop and put in any type of surprises you see in professional wrestling. After that, they both get back in the ring and they start countering each other move for move. The Great Ocon countering Sonata's Moonsault, which can, which usually connects, but this time it didn't. We get a forearm exchange and then the Great O'Connor does a right punch to Sonata. Both of these guys are down on the canvas for a little bit, recovering, getting their second win, so to speak. Until finally, Sonata, being the tricky Sonata that he is, the sly Sonata that he is, manages to capture the Great Okan in an Okana roll with the bridge. And it's one, two, three. And Sonata picks up the victory over the Great Okan. I do not understand how he's able to win with. O'Connor Row and no one has really been able to counter it to not have that happen to them. But Sonata wins this match against the Great O'Con. The next match is Jeff Cobb versus Naito. They've had a little bit of a back and forth feud. Jeff Cobb has definitely been dominating in New Japan Pro Wrestling, and he is really great at what he does. This is why all of his momentum, while Will Ospreay was over here in the United States saying he was the real IWGP champion and Jeff Cobb basically carrying the United Empire along with Kanare and the Great Ocon, like, he's the reason why I would want him to win the new japan cup all the hard work and sacrifices that he's done not to take anything away from will osprey but will osprey could have proven himself in the g1 even though he was making stars over here and recruiting over here but still if you want to really say that you are the real IWGP champion you go and prove it in the g1 jeff cobb proved himself in the g1 definitely took it by storm. And it will be nice if he wins the New Japan Cup. Jeff Cobb quickly attacks Naito at the beginning of this match, landing in some huge strikes until Naito can do a drop kick to create some distance from Jeff Cobb and himself to recover. And now Naito starts working on Jeff Cobb's knee. That's going to be the theme of this whole entire match where Jeff Cobb was already injured apparently coming into this match so Naito was just taking care of Jeff Cobb's knees to injure it further so spoiler alert Naito does get the victory in this match Naito himself has two bad knees as well so wrestlers could definitely take advantage of that one Naito comes in fight mode pushing the referee aside and just really attacking Jeff Cobb He does a baseball slide to Jeff Cobb. Again, working on that knee. Cobb manages to do a suplex and then ram Naito's back into the ring post twice. Then another suplex to the floor. Cobb is then able to drive his knee into the back of Naito. Some huge throws from Cobb to Naito. A short drop kick. Combinations and naito doing an indian Deathlock to jeff cobb to further injure that knee jeff cobb manages to get to the rope to cause a rope break at this point jeff cobb is damaged his knee is killing him he somehow broke his nose where blood is coming out and naito comes in and does esperana on jeff cobb then they manage to fight to the corner of the ring, where Jeff Cobb delivers a huge half rope power bomb to Naito. Jeff Cobb goes over, makes the cover, and Naito kicks out. Naito manages to do a submission to Jeff Cobb again, working on the knee now focusing on the calf. Because again, if you are a big guy like Jeff Cobb, you take out the legs and they will not have a base to do most of their moves. But as we've seen throughout Jeff Cobb's career, he's no ordinary man. He's no ordinary wrestler. He's no ordinary athlete. This guy will definitely eat all of the power moves and the sly, sneaky moves that another wrestler would do to his knees and legs in order to try to get the one up. But Jeff Cobb is resilient and Jeff Cobb is a monster. Jeff Cobb manages to do a German suplex to Naito. Then we have some elbow strikes, some kicks, a clothesline. Naito then does Valencia to Cobb and follows it up with Destino to Jeff Cobb. Unfortunately. Jeff Cobb does not kick out of this one. Naito does win. Goes for the cover. One, two, three. Naito wins against Jeff Cobb at Wrestle Kingdom 16. Next, we have a no DQ match. New Japan Pro Wrestling does not do no DQs or hardcore matches very often. So this is a very rare treat for American fans and also Japanese fans. In America, we're so used to having hardcore matches, now death matches. And so New Japan Pro Wrestling managed to do a no DQ because this is what Kenta wanted in order for Kanahashi to face him for the IWVP United States Championship title. This was not a wrestling match. This was definitely a fight from start to finish. And the way this led up to it, was a series of events on the road to Wrestle Kingdom. Penta would definitely introduce some sort. Penta would definitely introduce. Penta will definitely introduce some sort of weapon. His weapon of choice would be the Kendo stick. I wonder if this is his new love, Kendo Chan. I don't know. Just asking questions here. If you guys don't know, when he was fighting Yoshihashi not too long ago, he stole Yoshihashi's bow staff and named it Bochan and started doing these romantic little skits on Twitter about it and you know saying that how can Yoshihashi have the bow staff and mistreating the bow staff and the bow staff was happy that it got taken away and kidnapped and Kenta is there. It was nice and goofy. It was lighthearted. It was fun. It showed a different personality side to Kenta. But in the end, Yoshihashi managed to get his bow staff back. And that is when, obviously, Kenta and Bo-chan are no longer. So do not ask Kenta about Bo-chan because he will not answer you at all. But the day that I get to hang out with him or meet him, I'm definitely going to ask him about Bo-chan because why not, right? That love story was way better than Twilight, way better than anything else. Like I was enthralled in the fact that that he loved an object that could definitely kick your ass. So back to this match. They both start off, meaning Kenta and Tanahashi start off with a kendo fight. Tanahashi manages to break Kenta's kendo stick first and then hits him repeatedly. Kenta uses the United States belt to create some type of distance between the two. And then Kenta picks up the candlestick and starts beating the shit out of Tanahashi. There's chair shots, trash can lids, even a trash can that goes over Kenta. And Tanahashi swings his mightiest of swings with the chair against that trash can that's over Kenta. Penta uses his old briefcase that awarded him a shot at the IWGP United States Championship long ago. He does a knee strike to it into Tanahashi's face. Tanahashi uses a lot of chairs and does twist and shout onto the chairs, bringing Penta with him. Even does sling blade onto the chairs as well. Then at one point, Tanahashi uses a guitar and smashes it over Kenta's head. Like it was getting violent. It's one of those rare sights that you'd never thought you'll see. So again, if you want the wrestling bingo cards, you could get them at the shop. Put this on there because this was really a nice hardcore match that didn't go overboard and didn't underperform. They set up a table. Kenta does a falcon arrow through the table on Tanahashi. Kenta manages to bring out this really tall ladder. The tall ladder is super skinny, super light. It's probably made of aluminum. It doesn't weigh much. You can definitely see it if you watch the match. The only difference is that you have to assemble this ladder. So imagine going to Ikea being like hey i want to buy a ladder and they say yes here you go and then when you get home you have to assemble it so in japan they have ladders that you need to assemble where you need to screw in the screws into the appropriate holes of the ladder and you know someone would have to hold it because it's very light you know and your body weight on it like you could definitely get hurt so kenta brings it out and kenta is telling the referee to help him with it the referee wants nothing with this match he doesn't want no blood on his hands and so he leaves it up to kenta to put it together kenta does and there's a fight for it in a way so as kenta is climbing up the ladder Tanahashi then goes to the ladder and sort of wiggles it to a point where Penta decides to jump off because that's probably the only smart idea that he could have done. However, when he jumps off of the ladder, he crashes into the trash can that's right underneath him. Penta at this point has a bloody nose. His body is hurt. And then Tanahashi... Puts Kenta on top of a new table that just got put up. Goes up the ladder himself and does a really high fly flow, which is a really big crossbody. Onto Kenta gets the one, two, three, picks up the victory over Kenta, picks up the victory over Bullet Club and becomes the new IWDP United States champion so after this kenta sustained multiple injuries he has a fractured orbital eye so he fractured the bone where his eye socket is his nose is broken obviously he dislocated his hip and i just know he has other nagging injuries and he did this while also having a broken finger So because of the multiple injuries he sustained, he wasn't able to fight alongside Noah in New Japan versus Noah. So now let's talk about Tanahashi for a little bit, because I did say that this match needed a masterclass breakdown. Tanahashi needs a masterclass to teach the young wrestlers how to sell, how to improve your character And definitely great story. Tanahashi is one of the best to do it. And it's amazing that he is so many people's inspirations. And he is that larger than life character where I could get behind him. So in New Japan Pro Wrestling, Tanahashi is the ace, no matter what. He is also an angel. He brings hope and light to people of Japan. And especially during this pandemic, he kicked it up tenfolds. To make sure that the people of Japan have hope coming out of the pandemic. Because sometimes your thoughts can get overwhelming and things start spiraling down. But if there's one thing that's true, is that professional wrestling saves whether anybody wants to believe that or not. Professional wrestling saves. So Tanahashi is the light bearer in this pandemic. And he has been putting that burden on him ever since. And he's been doing a wonderful job. He's been staying positive. He's been doing everything and anything the company has been asking of him. This is the first time in years that you see a break in Tanahashi. A slight break. It's not very loud it's not very big but it's very subtle usually a champion will be celebrating in the middle of the ring that they defeated their opponent and now they are the new champion to carry that title tanahashi looks so defeated his energy drained from him the thoughts of what did he do entered his mind his body language Because at first, Tanahashi was a little skeptical, a little doubtful, didn't understand why they needed a no DQ because at the end of the day, Tanahashi is a wrestler. He doesn't really do hardcore matches. So when Kenta was like, let's make this a no DQ, anything goes. That's sort of to kenta's strengths because kenta is so good at being a hardcore matches doing wrestling matches doing anything that's all round and tanahashi just knows let's wrestle in the ring let's leave it all in the ring and let's make amazing matches for the fans so kenta really thought in his strategy that he'll have the one up on tanahashi but somewhere along the line tanahashi got over that embraced a little bit of the darkness that a no DQ match, a hardcore match can do for someone like Tanahashi. Tanahashi for a while has been shouldering the light, the hope that we can get through this pandemic together. And so during his backstage comments, the reporters probably asked him how he felt. And he said that he feels no emotion right now. And you can definitely see how defeated and deflated he is or was at the time of doing the No DQ match and to getting hurt him winning the championship title practically in blood. Now that is great storytelling. That is great progression because eventually holding on to the light and the hope of trying to bring us out of a pandemic depression so to speak because again wrestling saves everything can definitely be too much for one person to have on their shoulders and they eventually break and this match is definitely the turning point but from what i can see tanahashi is doing okay ever since wrestle kingdom and new japan versus noah and on the road and on the current new japan golden shows which that is leading up to the 50th anniversary of new japan pro wrestling Tanahashi does seem okay and comfortable being the iwgp united states champion but again this break might still be there in the future and he might have a total meltdown and turn heel and if he turns heel I would love Tanahashi to be in Bullet Club for just a short time. He doesn't have to be in Bullet Club for that long. Maybe we get to have a Tanahashi Bullet Club run where it's a completely different Tanahashi and he does completely different things. Obviously, he's going to cheat. He's going to be more sadistic and cynical. And because he is a veteran and he's been doing this forever, it just makes him that much dangerous. And I like danger. So I want to see it. And now we come to the main event of Wrestle Kingdom 16 Night 2. Which is Will Osprey fighting the IWGP World Heavyweight Champion Okada. For months leading up to this Wrestle Kingdom... Will Ospreay has finally been medically cleared to wrestle again and he championed around his IWGP World Heavyweight Championship title to the point where he took it to New Japan strong and just kept running his mouth and then recruiting people and then bam, he's finally back in New Japan Pro Wrestling to basically talk that talk in addition to wrestle that wrestle. I tried okay I tried this match was amazing from start to finish we had chain wrestling we had counters we had mocking the amazing thing about this is that it went from inside the ring to outside the ring from Osprey doing a wonderful moonsault off of the structure in the Tokyo Dome onto Okada we get multiple ddt's by okada because okada loves the ddt and also his perfection drop kick as well osprey then decides to mock the current iwgp champion by doing the rainmaker pose and if you do that that's really bad you're not supposed to do that at all so then Osprey does try to do the Rainmaker on Okada. He lands it, but Okada kicks out of that. And then Okada tries to put the money clip on Will Osprey, which he does multiple times in this match until we get a nice sequence of huge hit after hit after hit until okada does try for his rainmaker he hits the rainmaker on osprey the first time osprey kicks out of that rainmaker this is important i'll come back to this in a little bit after that they still go on a little bit more in their sequence until okada again can hit another brutal rainmaker goes for the cover One, two, three. Okada is definitely the undisputed IWGP World Heavyweight Champion of New Japan Pro Wrestling. Okada defeated Shingo in night one. Okada defeated Will Ospreay in night two, which makes him undisputed. Now, while Okada is celebrating in the ring... Out comes Naito. Naito goes up to Okada and basically challenges Okada to be next in line to fight for that championship title. Now remember, ever since New Japan Pro Wrestling decided to retire the old belt along with the Intercontinental belt, all these guys have a clean slate. They don't have their record numbers to get an easy title opportunity. But naito just thinks he can go to the front of the line and challenge okada next well last i checked your knees are bad so sit the fuck home and let the rifle person challenge okada and that is Tamatanga, because tama has a victory over okada during the g1 And that means something at least in new Japan pro wrestling with big wins like that, that means something. So the wrestler can definitely leverage that. And I would definitely advocate for Tama to do that. And I will be his advocate if he needs me to be to just leverage the fact that he has a win over Okada and that's going to bother Okada. I know it does. Even though Okada got the victory over him during power struggle, It doesn't erase history that Tama finally got a victory over their golden boy, Okada. So, Naito, sit your ass home because you had to sit out the rest of the D1 by messing up your knee, and Tama took the reins and got his victory over Okada. So, Tama is next in line, and he's number one contender for that championship title. Currently, Tama, Loa, are in the states and they are at the impact tapings along with jay white chris bay and hikaleo bullet club is like family and the family is all over impact wrestling but that does not mean tama will stay here and not get his championship title that he so rightfully deserves sometime in 2022 if not 2022 2023 tama will become champion It's only a matter of time. But yeah, Naito, sit your ass home. Tama's next in line, not you. Either way, Okada accepts Naito's challenge. And they are going to be doing this one-on-one at the 50th anniversary of New Japan Pro Wrestling next month. But other than that, this isn't a spoiler. This is going to be fact. Naito is going to lose to Okada. And then Okada is going to be challenged by Tamatanga, because he is next in line. All right, guys, I hope you enjoyed the review for Wrestle Kingdom 16 Night 2. It was amazing to do. And I want to say thank you to everyone who has been listening around the world and even in the United States. And let's keep it going. Please make sure to tell a friend about the Square Circle podcast and about the host. You're truly the storyteller, Marie Shadows. I love what I do. This isn't a gimmick. I love talking about professional wrestling, giving different type of perspectives and maybe the bigger picture on some stuff and then fantasy booking for whatever I see possible and then try to give you guys unique ideas for how to improve wrestlers, characters, promos, the whole works of what it means to be a fan of professional wrestling and what it means to be watching professional wrestling. I do these because I love them. Now, here are some quick housekeeping notes that I should have said in the beginning, but I wanted to get this all done. So currently right now, since this is on anchor.fm forward slash square circle podcast, I have reached my threshold impressions number, so I no longer get any sponsorships. In the description of this podcast and going forward, there will be a link where you can click on it and it's called listener support. You can put any dollar amount you want and pay monthly to help support the square circle podcast also if you do not want to do it that way i do have my ko-fi page up which is similar to patreon but this one allows me to be a little bit more creative so head over to www.ko-fi.com forward slash marie underscore shadows There, you can either give me a one-time hug of $3 or pick a membership that suits your wallet or buy from my shop those wrestling bingo cards or hire me for commission. Yes, that's right. I'm also doing freelance work. If you need me to write a wrestling article for you, please reach out. Give me the details. And let's talk about it. We could definitely do it through email or Twitter. If you are not following my Twitter, please make sure to do so at Marie underscore shadows, where we could talk about wrestling. We could talk about business. We could talk about whatever. I'm just asking a little bit of more help because I no longer have those sponsorships and Anchor is not going to give me any more sponsorships anytime soon. So listener support will be in the description. Head over to my Ko-Fi page. Make sure to follow me on Twitter. Make sure to follow me on Spreaker as well, because I have joined the Rad Rob Radio Network, and he was a pleasure to talk to about all things wrestling, even the Royal Rumble. And I was on his show last night. So when that episode comes about, make sure to listen to it. Give me some feedback if you want to. But yeah, let's all enjoy wrestling. Let's all help each other out and let's all help each other succeed. Ladies and gentlemen, you have been listening to an episode of the Square Circle Podcast. I am your host, Marie Shadows, and I wish you all well in your future endeavors. I'll see you on the next one.